I was uh, privileged to work with a lady by the name of uh, Dr. Shannon Barnes in Woodstock, Georgia, several years ago. I guess it was, well, not several, probably 2016. And one of the things that we did in her uh, practice, it was a mental and behavioral health private practice, is we invited um, research participants to come into the practice and we treated them using a theory that was developed by Dr. Barnes. And this particular theory, I'm going to tell you about it, but this particular theory is similar uh, in nature to something called cognitive behavioral therapy. And you may have heard of that. It's also akin to rational emotive behavioral therapy. You may have heard of that one. I like cognitive behavioral therapy, and let me tell you why, because it's very biblical. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Thoughts, actions, cognitive, behavioral therapy. Well, individualized balanced awareness operates under the idea that we live our lives based on four domains every day. We have a physical domain, we have a psychological domain, we have a social domain, we have a spiritual domain. And what her theory was is that if one of those domains was, how do you like this technical term, out of whack, then you're going to be out of balance across the board. So if just one of those domains is a little bit off, it affects all of them. So for instance, let's say that, um, let's say that you're sick to your stomach. Well, sick to your stomach, physical, physical domain. Do you feel like going and hanging out with somebody if you're sick to your stomach? No. Well, that affects the social domain, okay? And then if you don't go hang out with somebody and you're really looking forward to that, you're starting to feel sad. That affects the psychological domain. I know this is, uh, you know, this, this is like rocket surgery. I, I get that. It's, it's just one of those things, but this makes sense. Well, let me illustrate it this way. How, who here likes to laugh? Do you like to laugh? Some of you don't. That's okay. I mean, they each their own. That's okay, I guess. But if you laugh, some of you just did that. Um, did you notice that you were laughing in the presence of other people? Did you notice that when you laughed that you felt something there? Maybe you felt uh, something f even physically in that, in that moment. Maybe you turned a little bit red, uh, a little flush. Um, you know, maybe you from an emotional standpoint, felt good just for that moment of laughter. So when we laugh, we usually laugh with someone. When it, that's the social domain. Laughter is a physical domain. And it affects us emotionally. We generally feel good or we enjoy that moment. And then the spiritual domain. Joy is something that it's at our core on some level, right? It drives us. It motivates us. Well, that's the spiritual domain. Well, it's interesting how the Bible talks about the interconnectedness of the physical, the psychological, the social, and the spiritual. And so what I want to do tonight is share some thoughts that will hopefully help our overall sense of wellness. So that on our wellness report card, if you will, we get that little A plus there. So the first thing I want us to think about as we think about a, a, an overall sense of wellness 
is assurance. We might just call these the ABCs. I'm going to stop there. We'll have more than that. But the ABCs of wellness. And the first one is assurance. It feels good to be confident about something, doesn't it? Well, we don't like to not know something, or we don't like to be unsure about something. What about your spiritual well-being? How does it feel to be unsure about your own spiritual well-being? We'll say, well, that doesn't feel good at all. Well, of course not, and it shouldn't. Go ahead and put the next slide up there. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, For by grace you save through faith. That not of yourselves is a gift of God. And he goes on to say, Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. How does it make you feel? There's a counselor question for you. How does it make you feel? How does it make you feel to know that you are the workmanship of God? What does that do for I mean, if you just sit and allow that to ruminate in your mind, we ruminate on all kinds of bad stuff, we'll ruminate on that for a second. How does it make you feel to know that you were, are the workmanship, the masterpiece of God? That should make you feel really good. And sometimes we don't feel really good because we're, we're doubting, we're second-guessing where we stand with God. I believe that in some spiritual arenas, we'll say it that way, that we have almost created a codependent Society of people, of Christians. Codependency is not something that is, that, that's in a, a mental health assessment book, like a diagnostic statistical manual. It's not there. But you can find it in a lot of books. You jump on the Amazon and you want to, to, to get into some type of uh, maybe self-help readings, things of that nature, you're probably going to see the title, Codependent No More. That's a very popular book on that subject, codependency. And some people will say, well, your, your issue is you're, you're codependent, as if that's a bad thing. Well, there's a sense in which you and I ought to be codependent. We ought to be dependent on one another, right? I mean, isn't the word together is used... I forgot how many times now, but it's used over and over in the Bible. The Holy Spirit thought that the word was pretty important, that the concept was pretty important. And so it talks about our relationship, our interconnectedness with one another. And so sometimes folks talk about that as if it's a bad thing. And sometimes it is. Because we get to the point in our lives where we are constantly checking in with one another. And like every five seconds, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but constantly and we're saying am I okay with you are you okay with me do we have an issue with one another and we're doing that non-stop as if perfection in every relationship is a reality and it's not and sometimes we even do that with God it's like we grab and I mean this reverent, uh, reverently it's like we grab God by the face and we get him to look eye to eye with us and we say God are Am I okay with you? Are you okay with me? Now, I understand, of course, that we want to check in with God. We want to be okay with God. We must be okay with God. Psalm 139. You know, David says, search me, O God, and know my thoughts. Know my heart. And so we, we do need to check in with God. But every five seconds, 
as though we're in and out of a relationship, the right relationship with God? And that's the way some people feel about it. Next slide. In 1 John, the, we could just summarize the, the whole book of 1 John as knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to heaven. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. When I was in the ninth grade, um, his name was, we just called him by his first name. His name was Mickey. It's unprofessional to call your teacher by their first name. Um, but this wasn't at the university and didn't have doctor in front of it, so I guess it was okay. And so what Mickey would teach us in our speech class in ninth grade was to overcome stage fright, you have to know that you know that you know your speech. Well, I, I, I felt like I knew that I knew that I knew my speech, but I still got scared to death. I'm scared right now. I, I do, believe it or not, this is a preacher that gets really nervous about giving public speeches. <laughs> you do that too? Yeah. Uh, I hope it never goes away. It keeps you humble. Uh, so, but know that you know that you... What about when it comes to the standpoint of eternity? Overcoming that anxiousness regarding eternity. Know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven. That's why he begins the book with these words. These things write unto you. I think this is verse 4, maybe verse 5 of chapter 1. These things write unto you that literally our joy may be full. How, what are the things and how can our joy be full? Knowing that you have eternal life. That's it. So as we think about this, I'm going to have to send this lesson to Dr. Barnes and say I, I cited her in this, in this lesson. Uh, but you think about this individualized, balanced awareness, awareness model that she came up with um, and how it, it's interconnected, your spiritual domain over here. Man, I, I know I'm going to heaven. Well, how does that make you feel? Emotionally. Does it, does it make you feel good? Are you happy about that? Are you full of joy? How does that make you feel physically? I mean, be honest with yourself. I mean, just really be honest with yourself. When you sit there and you think about it and you say to yourself, man, I, I'm absolutely positive. I'm going to heaven, and when I get there, I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus and the angels, and I'm going to see God Almighty, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to get to interact with him a little bit, and we're going to, we're going to talk about this 1,189 chapters that he inspired to, to be written. Just as I say that, I start to, I, I can feel it physically. Do you feel that? Man, it's a certainty of eternal life. It makes you feel good emotionally. You feel something physically. And then when you feel something that good, what do you do with it? Man, I'm just going to lock that away as, uh, uh, you know, the old Vice President Al Gore, I'm going to lock that away in a lockbox. You know, I'm just going to lock that away in a lockbox. I'm not going to tell anybody about it. Well, no. We want to share good things like that. So the social domain. Assurance. Number two. The B stands for this idea. You're going to have to click it again. I know it's, it's an annoying PowerPoint, the way it builds. The second one is belief. Belief. Confidence. What might be an anonym for that? How about I just give it to you? 
anxiety, anxiousness. Click the, the, the thing there. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Stop. How many of you feel guilty right now? <laughs> Don't be anxious about anything. Too late. You know, anxiety is, 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 is a reality. There's not a single person in here, and don't come to me and tell me that you don't ever have anxiety, because I already know you're a liar if, that's, if you do that. We all experience some level of anxiety. Some level of anxiety. There are a couple of specific types. One of them would be what's called a cortex-based anxiety. Uh, the other one would be an amygdala-based anxiety. The cortex, we have a little bit more control over. The amygdala, not so much. Let me illustrate it this way. There's a great book uh, called uh, Rewire the Anxious Brain, and it gives this illustration, which I think is a really good one. So an individual, um, let's, just, let's just call this individual Mandy. I'm going to use you in an illustration. So Mandy, uh, man, she just wants to go to Fried Hardeman. Now, this book doesn't mention Fried Hardeman, so I'm adapting the illustration a little bit. But Mandy wants to go to Fried Hardeman more than anything else in the world. I mean, that, that's your college of choice, right? She wants to go to Fried Hardeman. And she's been waiting and waiting and waiting for that letter to come from Fried Hardeman because she doesn't want to take any other choice like Harding or Faulkner or, well, whatever the other ones are. Uh, so she's just been waiting on this letter and... and she sees an envelope, and it says, Freed Hardeman University, 158 East Main Street, Henderson, Tennessee, 38340. Three, yeah, that's what, man, that's a good memory. Uh, my mailbox was 902. I can still remember my Freed Hardeman mailbox. I see it free, from Freed Hardeman, and it's got my name on it. Man, it's right. I, I, I open it up. And before I even get to pull anything out, I didn't get in. I didn't get in. I mean, I, I, I might as well just go ahead and accept the fact that I'm, I'm not going to Freed Hardeman. They, they didn't want me. They didn't accept me. I'm going to have to go to Harding. That's horrible. It really is horrible. hope I'm not offending any Harding folks. Uh, if you're watching online, we still love you. Uh, but... It's just awful. I didn't get in. And then she says, well, I might as well just pull the letter out. I know I didn't get in. She pulls the letter out and she opens up. We're excited to inform you that you have been accepted to Freed Hardeman University. She just went through a cortex-based process of anxiety, thinking herself into a situation that wasn't reality. Okay? And sometimes we have anxiety like that where, where we just kind of think ourselves into a situation. Then we become overwhelmed in anxiety and it's really hard to function. And here's another one. So you walk down into the basement and it's really dark down there and you go around the corner and when you walk around the corner you jump back in fright because you saw, you were convinced, you saw somebody in your dark basement and he jumped back in fear but it was one of those creepy mannequins with a coat hanging on it 
That's an amygdala-based anxiety. You didn't have any control over it. You just jumped out of the way. It's like driving down the road and somebody pulls out in front of you. What are you going to do? Are you going to look at the license plate, make sure you get the license plate number? No, you're going to get out of the way so you don't get hit. That's the way the brain works. Amygdala-based anxiety. Now, we all have some level of anxiety, don't we? We agree on that now? There comes a point, however, when we are unable to work through some of those cortex-based anxieties because, because we have allowed ourselves to go into, and I'll just use this terminology, to go into such a, a hole or a pit, we just can't get out of it by ourselves, and so we need some help. But what if we were experiencing some of that cortex-based anxiety, that thinking anxiety, and instead of digging ourselves deeper into that hole, we worked through it with maybe a good Christian friend. Or maybe uh, we were reevaluating some of the things in our life that may have contributed to that anxiety, right? So, what if in the early stages of that cortex based anxiety, we would have done something different. We're not talking about somebody that's already there and just can't get out and they're needing some serious help, right? That's what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about this level where we've not gotten down here. So don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So here he's saying that when we find ourselves just dealing with life and we're, we're starting to become anxious about it, and maybe our cognitions are not working exactly right, and we're, we're just, maybe we're, we're ruminating about things that we just don't need to be ruminating about. We're, we're uh, you know, we're just catastrophizing about everything. Instead of doing that, what if we just talk to the Lord? Have you ever noticed that when something is really trying you, you know, you're really struggling with something, maybe it's your job, maybe... Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's health, maybe it's, it could be any number of things. Have you ever noticed that, and this is hard, I get it, when you just go into that private prayer closet, that private place in which you talk to God, and you just let it out, it may not come out right, you may not say it right, You may end up just saying, Lord, you know what I'm trying to say. In Jesus' name, amen. And then you walk away. You ever notice how that makes you feel? When you've just laid it there at the door. You know what I'm talking about, if you've been there. And so we think about this idea of belief. Third screen again. Comedy. Comedy does a lot for our overall wellness. I like good, clean comedy. Don't you? There's some folks that uh, we've been able to watch uh, from time to time on television or on YouTube, um, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. In fact, at Freed Hardeman, and I promise this lesson is not to try to advertise for Fried Hardeman tonight, even though I've mentioned it multiple times, but uh, just coincidentally, um, 
Fried Hardeman has announced who their benefit dinner speaker is going to be this year. You know who it is? A comedian, Jeff Foxworthy. You may not like him, and that's, that's okay. I'm just saying it to make a point. It's a comedian. Why? Because we like to laugh. Laughing is good. I mean, how, how many of you can read the Bible and you get to the talking donkey and you don't have a little bit of see something? I saw you laughed about that. I wasn't talking to you. I was pointing back here. But you laughed about that. It's, it's funny. We come to those things in the Bible, they're funny. How many of us get on the YouTube, not because we're trying to figure out how to repair a busted pipe, but because we're trying to see some goofy, you know, kid on there that's, uh, you know, coming up with some funny story and we're really into it, right? Or whatever. We like to laugh. Hit the, hit the button there. So 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you uh, uh, do not know, uh, now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Well, there's a lot in the Bible about joy. You know, the Bible tells us, Paul told the church at Rome, he said, if you've got a brother that is in sorrow, that's weeping, you weep with him. But if that brother is rejoicing over something, you rejoice with him. I think sometimes we find it pretty easy to weep with somebody that's weeping. When somebody's rejoicing over something good going on in their life, we struggle a little bit with that one because we're wondering, now why isn't that happening to me? Well, you just hold on. Wait your turn. It's coming around. We like to experience joy. It does something for our wellness. All right, next one. So, diversion. Diversion does something for our overall wellness. There are a number of times in the Bible where we see uh, an individual having to separate themselves from something because they need a little bit of a break. Hit the button. You think about uh, Mark chapter 6 and verse 31 in Jesus. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. You, th- you imagine being Jesus after it's now been made known. Here, here's Jesus. He's the Son of God. Watch what he's doing, all of the miracles he's performing, the people that he's healing, the, the amazing stuff that he's doing. And all of the crowds are now coming and appearing before him, and they're touching the hem of his... I mean, they're just all around him. Now, try to put yourself in his shoes for just a second. I, I don't mean the sense that you are the Savior, but having all of those people just vying for your attention. Well, some folks probably live for that. They're extreme extroverts. You put me in a crowd like that, I'm worn slap out. I wonder how Jesus felt. I know how he felt. He needed to get away. There are times in which we need to separate. When Jesus was in the shadow of the cross... He knew what was coming. He hadn't experienced it before. He didn't know exactly how it was going to feel. He didn't know exactly what the pain was going to do to him. But he knew it was going to be bad. So Matthew chapter 26 says that before he went to Golgotha, he went to Gethsemane. 
to have a little quiet time. Oh yeah, he went in with his inner circle into the uh, as he was approaching the center part of Gethsemane there, and but he said, "You wait here while I go and pray yonder." And he prays repeatedly, three times specifically, but he prays. Then he goes back and checks on his disciples. Sometimes we need a diversion. We need to create a diversion, right? We need to create a diversion. We need something that's, that's just different. It's, that's, maybe it's not even reality. By that I mean maybe we've had just such a hard, stressful day that we turn on the television and we don't want to watch anything that's, that's real, but we want to watch Avengers. Or we want to watch something that's just crazy unreal, right? You with me? We just need to escape. Sometimes it's very good for us to find, find a way of escape that's physical, like getting out. and Like for me, I like to get out and cut the grass. Or get out and go for a walk. Sometimes we need a diversion that says, okay, I've, I've got so much going on in my own world and my life just feels like it's upside down, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and jump into somebody other, else's life for a little bit and see what it's like to be them and try to help where and when I can. And then when I step back over here into my life, huh, I can handle it. I can do it. Diversion. Next one. This will be our last one. So the E stands for enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Uh, next slide. The Bible says in uh, Titus chapter 2, verse uh, 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. For good works. I jump on the internet sometimes and get on social media and I see these Christians and these Christians are excited about this work for the Lord and they're excited about this work for the Lord and they're excited about this work for the Lord and sometimes I think, man, I'm not that excited. <laughs> I mean, they're really, really excited. And sometimes, sometimes I feel a little bit guilty, like maybe I'm not as excited as they are. I suppose that's okay sometimes. I mean, we're, we're all, we all have different levels of enthusiasm and that's okay. But we need to have some enthusiasm. Jesus has called us to an incredible purpose, a noble purpose, a holy purpose that we talked about this morning. And we need to be enthusiastic about that. If we're not enthusiastic about it, why would anybody else be? You with me? Why would somebody want what we have if what we have doesn't come across as being that great? What does that do for you when you are able to really buy in to who you are? I don't mean, well, I'm Neil Richie, no. Christian. Well, doesn't mean that much to me. You know why? Because you haven't bought in. You have to buy in to being a Christian. You, you have to be all in. You'll never be excited about being a Christian unless you're all in as a Christian. Because it drives you to be who you are. What do you do for a living? Well, I'm a Christian. That's what I do to live. I sell insurance to pay the bills, but I'm a Christian. That's my job. We've got to be excited, enthusiastic about being a Christian. Just think about what that will do for you spiritually, your core, 
Man, it'll revolutionize you. Think about what that will do for you socially. I mean, if you've got a message for a friend that says, look, friend, I, I understand that one of these days this life is going to be over and it's either going to be heaven or hell, and I love you enough to tell you about it. It doesn't mean they're going to accept it. I mean, Noah was, uh, Noah was a, I almost said Moa, but Noah was a preacher of righteousness for a century. Last I checked there in Genesis chapter 6 and 7, there were only eight people on that boat. The majority of the people that we care about and we share with are going to reject. But there's one that will accept. Imagine what that will do for you socially. That they'll realize you care about them, at least enough to tell them. Think about what that's going to do for you emotionally. Man, it's going to make you feel good. I've bought in. I'm all in. Now I've got purpose. I've got meaning in my life. And I feel good about it. Then how does it make you feel physically? Get goosebumps knowing your purpose and feeling good about it? Does it make you smile? Physical? Make you happy? Emotional? Well, we started out talking about those four domains, the physical, the the psychological, social, and the spiritual. And we said that if one of those domains is out of whack, then life is out of balance. What about the spiritual domain for you? I'll tell clients sometimes that I'm working with that we all have a spiritual domain. You may be an atheist. You may not believe in God at all, that he exists. Or you may be an agnostic. You may be doubting God. But I can tell you right now that you've got a spiritual domain. Because there is a reason why you do the things that you do and don't do things. There's a reason for that. If you're out there on Interstate 81 and you're driving the speed limit, then you're a weird... No. If you're out there driving the speed limit and you're convicted about driving the speed limit on Interstate 81, there's a reason for that. There's a reason. Well, I, I want to obey the laws. Well, good for you. Why do you want to obey the laws? Now, don't tell them that they want to do that because that's what the Bible says, that they should obey the laws. God, you know, anyway. But there's something that drives them, their core, their inside. For us here tonight in a church building on a Sunday night, I suspect that in your core somewhere that there is a conviction regarding Jesus. I don't know where it is on the strength scale. We could put a Likert scale on it and say, well, zero, I'm not that committed. Ten is, I'm super committed. I don't know where it is for you, but that's the question. Your spiritual domain. Are you all in with Jesus? If you're not, if you've never been through repenting and confessing and, and being baptized, if you've never been all in with Jesus, then I suspect you're struggling in some of these other domains. Prove me wrong. You're struggling a little bit physically, struggling a little bit uh, emotionally, struggling a little bit socially. Maybe it has something to do with that spiritual domain. Maybe you've been all in. But for whatever reason, you've backed out. And you've been over here and you've, man, you've been, you've been miserable. You can't put your finger on it. Or you've got what this old television show I used to watch, a little girl in it said, I've got guilt gut. 
did something wrong and just sick to their stomach. And you've just been sick to your stomach and you can't figure out, why am I so sick to my... Spiritual domain out of whack? Well, why don't we fix that? Why don't we fix that spiritual domain tonight? Maybe, maybe you need to repent of something in your life. You know it's there. You know. Maybe you need to repent of something in your life and ask God to forgive you. Ask us to forgive you. Let's pray with and for one another. And, and let, let that guilt gut go. Enjoy the week. Enjoy your life. Let's go to heaven. Think about it. Tonight's invitation is yours. Make it so. It's together we stand and as we sing.